we just want to say congratulations uh, to the class of 2020. We, we know things aren't looking maybe like you thought they would, that graduations are different, parties are different. Uh, these last few months has been different. And so we wanted to take the time uh, to hopefully give you some encouragement, uh, a laugh, and just to let you know that we are excited for what is to come uh, because of what you've experienced. And as Mike challenged you in that video, uh, to begin to think about who it is that you want to be, not maybe necessarily what you want to do or the career or these things, but the individual, who you want to be as an individual to make an impact on the world and your community and your household and the things that you will do. And so just know as a church, we are praying for you and we are excited to see what God will do through you in this class. So I'm going to pray for you guys, and, and then we're going to jump into our message this morning. Father, we thank you uh, for our graduates. Uh, Father, we know these last couple of months haven't been easy, uh, that they've missed out on a lot of things they were anticipating and expecting to experience. But Father, I pray that the challenges that they have faced over these last few months would begin to set them uh, in motion, uh, to see the world differently, to understand things don't always go the way we thought they would and how to adapt and to change and to make the best of the situations that they're presented with. That you would continue to guide and direct them in their next steps and what you have for them. That you would build a community of people around them to continue and to encourage them, to cheer them on uh, for what they've accomplished and what lies ahead. And so Father, uh, we just come to you today asking a blessing on the class of 2020 and just excited and waiting for anticipation to see what you do uh, in and through their lives. We thank you and we love you. It's your son's name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> for those of you who don't know me, my name is Jason Beaver. I'm our student pastor here at MCC. And I have the privilege of coming and wrapping up our series today, uh, Women Who Changed Their World. And if you haven't joined us yet, I encourage you to go back onto our YouTube page or, or check back through Facebook or on our website to, to uh, catch the services that you may have missed. Because we've been looking at women uh, who use their unique gifts, uh, their unique relationships to change the world that they were a part of. And so we were able to see a mother and a grandmother impact the faith of the next generation. We're able to see a woman uh, take up the reins and to, to lead a nation to begin to understand who God wanted them to be in Deborah. And last week with Esther, we saw what it looked like to have bold faith and, and to step up in the risk of a relationship and even death uh, to stand up for what was right. Today, we're going to be looking at the story of Mary and Martha. And uh, probably, as for you and for me, if you've heard those names, there's one story in particular that comes to mind. And, and that's the story we're going to be looking at in Luke chapter 10. But before we, we look at that, I want to remind us of the two other accounts that we see Mary and Martha a part of. And the first one is found in John 11. Uh, which is a very another famous one, but its focus is on Lazarus. That Lazarus has died, and so Mary and Martha send word to Jesus to come back uh, to, to save him. <laughs> or really, before he's passed, is to come back and to help him and heal him. But Jesus delays his arrival. And so when Jesus arrives, it says, when Jesus arrives in Bethany, he found that Lazarus is dead and he's already been in the tomb for four days. So Martha and then Mary rush out to uh, interact with Jesus. 
And Martha begins to, to lament about why he didn't come. That they had sent word and yet Jesus chose to wait. And so she's frustrated and she lays it out on the line. And she says, Lord, if you would have come, my brother would not be dead. And Jesus responds to her with these words. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me, even if he dies, will live. Everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. And he asked her this question at the end of that statement. He says, do you believe this? Do you believe that I am the resurrection? Do you believe that I have life? And that everything that, no matter what you've experienced in the past, in the future, will be okay? And her response is yes. Then she goes back to the house and finds out Mary's there. And Mary comes and asks Jesus this same question. She says, Lord, if you would have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. But an emotion is surrounding her. We get the shortest verse in scripture, but probably one of the most powerful verses in scripture. Because we see Jesus's humanity, his compassion, and his love for people. And we see that Jesus wept. And it reminds us <laughs> of the compassion and love that he has for his children, that he has for his people. And now more than ever, it's important to understand that we have a God in heaven who loves us, who is the resurrection of life, uh, who offers us life in a relationship with him. And we can see from this story in John 11 and, and in John 12, uh, we see this relationship continue. Jesus has come back uh, to Bethany and, and he has a dinner at their house, Mary and Martha's house. And so Martha is busy serving uh, as she always does. And Mary took a pound of perfume and anointed Jesus's feet and wiped it with her hair. He, he, she showed him the adoration and love of who he was, the Messiah, the Savior. And these two accounts and the one we're going to look at this morning in Luke 10 remind us of this relationship that they have. Remind us that they have a close relationship with one another. That Jesus longs to have a relationship with us. And that we see they're like family. And so in Luke 10, I think there's that important reminder that we'll see this morning. The one thing that is necessary for us. And so Luke 10, chapter, uh, Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42 says this. It says, while they were traveling, he entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister named Mary, who also sat at the Lord's feet and was listening to what he said. Uh, but Martha was distracted by her many tasks, and she came up and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to serve you alone? So tell her to give me a hand. And the Lord answered, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has made the right choice, and it will not be taken from her. And so right away, we see there's two different responses to Jesus's coming into Mary and Martha's house. That Martha begins the preparation, and Martha is a doer, and so she just begins to get at it and get to work. She wants the house clean, she wants the food just right, and so she moves in that way. And Mary, she takes a different approach, and she just goes and sits at the teacher's feet. She wants to hear from Jesus and hear what he has to say and see what she can glean from his teaching. And the thing about this story that sometimes I think we miss is that we think Martha's response is maybe wrong and Mary's is right. But the reality is that 
both of these responses are not right or wrong. It's the attitude and the mindset of how we approach those responses of what's important. And so Martha becomes distracted by many tasks. And all of that pressure must have gone to her head. Because she, once Jesus entered the house, she got distracted. Martha was so busy trying to make everything perfect for Jesus, she, she didn't take the time just to sit and to listen. And she gets really frustrated. She says, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to serve alone? And maybe Martha's frustration was with her sister for not helping. It could have been that simple. Or maybe her frustration was with herself for beginning to recognize and see that she was prioritizing the wrong thing. That her mindset and her attitude, her, her judgment of her sister wasn't right. Or, or maybe uh, she took the frustration out on her sister. And so Jesus calls her out on it. And he says, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things. I don't know about you, but uh, I know when I get called out on something that I've done, it's not the most comfortable conversation. <laughs> um, and it, it's pretty awkward and embarrassing for not only myself, but maybe for anyone else who's who around. And I can imagine Martha uh, feeling that embarrassment in that moment. But Jesus wasn't harsh. He wasn't impatient or rude. Jesus simply helped Martha see the things she hadn't seen before. And he gave her a chance to choose a different way. Because maybe Martha didn't know she had the, the option uh, to simply sit at the feet of Jesus, to, to take a break into moment, to sit there. Because in that culture in that day, for a woman to sit at the feet of a rabbi uh, would have not have been an appropriate response. And it wasn't expected, uh, and it was very unusual for that to happen. And so maybe she didn't know she had that choice or that option. That she could just take a moment and to sit at his feet. Maybe she thought it was her job to take care of everyone. As I said, she was a doer. Uh, and maybe she thought she would be a failure if she didn't provide for the people who had just come in their house. Maybe she was so in the habit of helping others, she had forgotten to take care of herself in the moment. But Jesus gently reminds her, Martha, Martha, <laughs> it's okay. It's okay to, to sit for a moment. It's okay to, to stop focusing on what you think other people should do and embrace who you are and, and the relationship you have with me. Let's continue to talk about this. Because when Martha was drifting and distracted and drowning in her self-imposed responsibilities, Jesus takes the time to remind her what's important. He helped her see something that she had never seen before. And then he gave her a chance to grow. And this was a vulnerable moment Jesus didn't condemn or shame Martha, but he didn't ignore the moment either. Jesus saw the thing that Martha couldn't see in herself, and he takes the time to address it so that she could begin to change. And he does the same thing for you and for me, that there are times in our lives when we, we get so busy, we get so distracted, we get so focused on other people and how other people are doing certain things or not doing certain things that we miss out on what Jesus has for right in front of us. I've been told before at times that when we're in the midst of tragedy or, or suffering or we have some big decision going on, it could feel like we're in the middle of the forest. But in see, instead of seeing the, the, the beauty of the forest around us, we see a tree that's just right in front of our face. And that we miss out on the things that are happening because of our attention and our focus is on the wrong things. And this is where Martha finds herself. And I've been there many times. I find myself as a, as a Martha, 
that I love to, to serve people. I love to give up my time and to do things for people. Uh, and if I'm honest, a lot of the times it stems out of the wrong motivation because I'm a people pleaser. <laughs> I have my insecurities and I want people to like me. And because of that, I will go above and beyond out of my way uh, to do for people. Not because of my relationship with Jesus or necessarily because of my relationship with them, but because I need to feel significant and valued and worth in what I do. And my motivation can be wrong more often than not. And I find myself like Martha getting upset with those around me and allowing that frustration not only affect my relationship with God, but with them as well. Fred Craddock uh, wrote this about this story. He says, if we censure Martha too harshly, she may abandon serving altogether. If we can, uh, can commend Mary too profusely, she may sit there forever. He says, there's a time to go and do. There's a time to listen and to reflect and knowing which and when is a matter of spiritual discernment. I want to make sure we don't miss that. I'm so I'm going to say it again. There's a time to go and a time to do. There, there's a time to listen and to reflect and knowing which and when is a matter of spiritual discernment. Jesus reminded Martha and us what to be concerned with where to focus, and what should take the front row seat in our minds. And that's a relationship with him. And the good news for you and for me is that our relationship with God can and will look different, that we have a unique experience in that relationship, that our expressions of that relationship are unique and different. That as we've looked over the last few weeks of women who changed their world, that they used their unique gifts and abilities and talents uh, to lead people, uh, to lead a nation, uh, to remind us what does it look like to have a relationship with God. And that our uniqueness uh, is also what brings us together as the church, being the body. And it stems from a relationship with him. A relationship with Jesus. What Jesus isn't telling Martha or in this story is that her doing is wrong and telling Mary that her sitting is right. He's letting Martha know that each of our expressions of our relationship with him is different. That our mentality and our driving factor is the difference. The why we do what we do matters. Elizabeth Johnson says this, she says, in a culture of uh, hectic schedules, in the relentless pursuit of product productivity, we are tempted to measure our worth by how busy we are, by how much we accomplish, or by how well we meet the expectations of others. She says, in fact, much of our busyness and distraction stems from the noblest of intentions. We want to provide for our families. Uh, we want to serve our neighbors. Uh, we want to serve the Lord. Yet, if all of these activities leave us with no time uh, to listen to him, to strengthen our relationship with God, to be in his word, to understand how he calls us to love, says, she says, we are likely to end up anxious and troubled. We're likely to end up with a kind of service that is devoid of love and joy and, and is resentful of others. Because trying to serve without being nourished by God's word is like expecting good fruit to grow from a tree that has been uprooted. And so this morning and from this story and really all of Martha and Mary's accounts, 
I think we see this one thing to be true. And I don't want you to miss it. So if there's anything you hear this morning, it's this. Is that Jesus teaches us one thing is necessary. A relationship with him. Above everything else, that a relationship with him will set the priorities straight. That a relationship with him will guide uh, our motivations and our attitudes and our thoughts and our directions. That a relationship with him is the one thing that is necessary and that will not be taken away. This year has been different to say the least. The last couple of months, the next couple of months are going to continue to be filled with change. And so my prayer uh, is that when you start to feel the pressure of self-imposed responsibilities, the expectations of others, or worried about what to accomplish or what to do, I pray that we would see that the one thing is necessary, the one thing that cannot and will not be taken away from us, and that's a relationship with Jesus, as unique as that is for each and every one of us. The story of Mary and Martha tells us there is value in doing There's value in sitting. There's value in listening and learning. And there's value in loving those around us and serving those around us. And that value comes from a relationship with him. This week, what could begin to change? If you and I look, uh, took a moment to look around to see what we might be missing because our attention is focused on the wrong thing. That we have this beautiful landscape and this forest right in front of us, but we have this tree that we can't seem to stop looking at. What if we would begin to broaden our perspective, to maybe uh, check our attitude? What if we took time to thank God for what he has given us? And that's a relationship with him that is unique, that calls us to do and to sit at his feet. We live in a world that is busy. (laughs) We move from one thing to the next in a moment. But take the time to strengthen your relationship with him this week. Jesus says that's the one thing that is necessary, the most important thing. And so maybe your next step this week is to define what's most important, to give that your first and your best, to to set your priorities in straight and to see what's been going on over these last few weeks, what's coming up, and to say, no, this is going to be a priority. This has to take precedent, and so I'm going to make sure that this doesn't fall uh, away because of the things around me. Maybe for you, it's to refuse to let perfectionism rob you uh, of joy or productivity. And can I just say (laughs) that for me, I've been wrestling with this for the last few months. Doing online church and creating videos uh, has been difficult (laughs) to where if I have the chance to pre-record something and not like it and redo it and continue to do this over and over again, that in all honesty, there's times I've lost the joy in doing it uh, because it's become so much of a focus on getting it right instead of allowing it to be good and just show the expression of what it is. So we can easily get lost in that perfectionism and it can rob us of joy or productivity. Maybe for you, it's to to take time and to sit at the feet of Jesus, to dive into his word and to be still, uh, to, to worship, to get out in the creation and to go on a walk and just to hear his creation call back to him, to listen and to learn. Maybe for you, and really for all of us, is to put first things first. And allow the rest to fall into place. And that first thing 
And maybe it's a reminder for us or maybe it's that first time decision for you is to begin and build a relationship with Jesus. Recall back to what Jesus says uh, to Martha in Lazarus' passing. And so in John 11, verse 25, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me, even if he dies, will live. Everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. And he ends it with a question to Martha and to you and to me. Do you believe this? Will you pray with me? Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the opportunity to see these accounts of Mary and Martha and the depth of their relationship with you and the priority they put on the relationship with you. That you could have and they could have hard conversations with one another. And that you would just simply remind them and remind us the most important thing is a relationship with you. The one thing that is necessary is a relationship with you and it will not be taken away. And so Father, in the busyness, in the quiet times, let us not get distracted or begin to be judgmental on how we think other people's relationships with you should look. But understand and know that a relationship with you is the most important thing. We thank you and we love you. It's your son's name we pray. Amen. Of our service, uh, we move uh, to communion. And communion each week is an opportunity where we gather together to remember the sacrifice that Jesus made for us. And we do that by taking a, a cup of juice uh, and a piece of bread. And so if, hopefully you have that ready. And if not, uh, you'll have time to maybe run around and get something or do it later. But I, but I challenge you to think of that verse again in John chapter 11 and to answer that question. Do you believe that he is the resurrection of life? Because that's the question for all of us. The one thing to answer for ourselves, the most important question we could ever answer is do we believe that to be true? And once we understand and know that to be true, then what happens in the past, what happens in the future? It changes our attitude and our perspective and allows us to navigate things a little differently because of the hope that we have in him. So I'm gonna pray and then we're gonna take communion together. Father, we thank you and we love you for your son's sacrifice, that he would die a death he didn't deserve so that we could have this relationship. So we could be given the one thing that's most important in life, and that's a relationship with you. So Father, let us uh, remember and celebrate if we've chosen that relationship, let us continue to ask questions and navigate who you are and who you want to be in our lives and answer that question for ourselves if that's something we want. We thank you and we love you. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Mm -hmm.